Good afternoon, Los Angeles and all of Southern California. I'm Farley Malaris, and you're listening to Astrological Metaphysical Radio, the phenomenon of the 80s, on KFOX 93.5 FM, your talk alternative. And this is the dance version as I'm, I'm boogieing in the studio today. Sweet freedom, you know. Little Monday action. Lakers pulled off a major miracle. If you think that was great, wait till Tuesday night, right? Anyway, we're going to talk about hard aspects to your natal Neptune. And that should pretty much take up all of you out there. Because most everyone I know has a square or an opposition on their Neptune. That's why they're so deluded and confused. (laughs) Dreamers. We're going to talk about the bad Pisces energy. I don't mean the good Pisces energy. Whenever you have a square or an opposition to your Neptune, it seems like uh, it brings out a negative Piscean quality in all of us where we're either not being realistic, we're dreaming, we're being too self-destructive, we're putting ourselves down, we are being defeatist, pessimistic. All those things a Pisces would be when they're being bad, okay, is what we become if we are born with a square or an opposition on our natal Neptune. And we're going to give many examples today, and we're also going to get into uh, some particulars and specifics, uh, depending on exactly what planet is square your Neptune, or oppose it, and uh, why we create these monster challenges and these monster illusions, and then we get flattened by reality and sometimes hopefully destroyed or rejected or put down, because reality strikes. A lot of times... The Neptunian hard aspect is like a cartoon, more than just the hologram of life. If we're in a position or a situation where we accept something to be true, believe something to be true, have actually trained ourselves along the lines of logic and basis, foundation, and then suddenly the reverse, or what we would call a different new information (laughs) comes up. It's called my search for further truth, right? Whenever you have a hard aspect, to a natal Neptune, seems like further truth many times will come out. And when it does, reality strikes. Many times we are shocked by it. As you know, Pisces, when they get scared or they get affected by situations, they run. <laughs> so oftentimes, people that have this Piscean factor. Now, everybody has Neptune in their charts. That's right. Unless you were born in another galaxy or another dimension or another planet where you wouldn't actually sense Neptune in the natal chart because you wouldn't sense movement from it. See, people that live in another star system, they see our sun as fixed in the sky, so they wouldn't note any movement of of our planets because our planets would just be reflected by the reflection of our sun itself. So obviously they wouldn't sense the impact of a planet like Neptune or any of our planets. That's why being born on Earth is interesting because we do sense the movement of the planets because we live within the belt of all these revolving planets. Isn't that interesting? Okay. So welcome to uh, the Astrology Hour, the no-forecast edition of Astrological Metaphysical Radio. Let's take a look at Neptune. See, Neptune is a planet that is very interesting upon analysis in the astrology chart because Neptune reveals the Pisces factor. Or, more than anything, Neptune really alerts us to the fact of spiritual endeavor, spiritual growth, spiritual powers, and also Piscean vibration, which has a lot to do with plugging into our interdimensional self or our multidimensional self. So what I do like about Neptune is that everyone's got one. Now, you will find 
Earlier in this century, like in the 30s and around the 40s, Neptune was in Virgo, and a lot of people had Neptune trines. Now, that says a lot about people born in the 30s and the early 40s. Let's check back here. And Neptune actually, in the late 30s, was in Virgo. And Saturn was trying Neptune in 39 and part of 40. And Uranus was also trying Neptune. I'm sorry. Saturn and Uranus were both trying Neptune in the 40s there. And it, it does make for very, very intuitive and psychic potential when a person does have trines to their Neptune. So we do find that people that are blessed with a trine to their Neptune, my pal Avery Taurus, of course, are extremely psychic and plugged into that multidimensional self, that intuitive mind. Ah, but then, you know, when we start getting deeper into the 40s and, and after Uranus was trying Neptune in 44, 45, that area, they both moved on. And as we got to the late 40s into the 50s, the Neptune started its stress cycle and Uranus went into square to Neptune in the 50s and stayed in square to Neptune all through the 50s and part of the 60s. And then Saturn was square Neptune too. So a lot of people that are in middle age now and that are approaching their 30s and their mid-30s were born with these Neptune squares. I missed out on Uranus square Neptune. I, I copped a Venus square Neptune, which is real fun. And what we're going to do is we're going to go down every single planet today and, in my opinion, give you an idea of what it means for a planet to be square or opposition Neptune. And that should be, I would think, real pleasant for all of us. So we should learn a lot off today's show. Now, it's interesting and it's important to understand people's Neptunian factors because, really, if you want to get into astrology and you want to understand astrology, you have to know what level of cartoon a person is dealing with. Because the harder a Neptune is aspected in a person's chart, then the more spaced out a person can relate. I don't know if you ever met a person with a Pisces moon or a Pisces rising when they seem to be in a constant daydream or they seem to actually be coming from another planet or another dimension. But the harder the aspects on a person's Neptune, even though they will try hard to seem like they have foundation and roots, in many ways, what they really do is trying to fight through this cloud of mystery and of illusion and of confusion that can be affecting them. A lot of times when you meet people with afflicted Neptunes or obliterated Neptunes, the area they're coming from is so alien to what's normal (laughs) or to what's real. I met somebody with a Neptune opposition who thought it was normal to have purple hair (laughs) or a mohawk or somebody who might have a major aspected Neptune in the first house and want to shave their head, (laughs) whether they're a man or a woman. Some of the things you get from hard aspects on a Neptune can really be far out and mistaken as somebody who may be in trouble or somebody who is actually abnormal. What it means more than anything, an afflicted Neptune is someone that is really unique. This is We're really talking about zeroing in on the illusion of separation and uniqueness that can be designed. You can actually look at your chart and your friend's chart and get to understand and relate to them better by knowing what their Neptunian factor is. That's what this show is all about. Now, let's talk a little bit more about this planet Neptune here. Neptune is the lord of Pisces, so that means that everywhere it goes, whatever house it's in, it will bring a Piscean element to that house, which means if it goes in square or opposition to a planet in your chart, it will turn that planet into a negative Pisces element. Let me give you an example. If you have Mars in Taurus and its opposition Neptune in Scorpio, then that Mars is now an afflicted Mars in Pisces. No matter what house or what sign it's in, the person, for example, the woman, 
that would walk around with Mars in Taurus opposed Neptune in Scorpio would be just like any woman with Mars in Pisces opposed any planet, see? And you got to understand where people are coming from that have Pisces planets because they're different. In many ways, they're plugged into their multidimensional self and it's hard for them to be materialistic and third dimensional and, and into the normal rigmarole of some of the trivia of this dimension. So if you knew a woman that had a Mars opposition Neptune or square Neptune, then you got to figure then when it comes to men in relationships, there's a lot to learn there for that individual. We're talking about a major learning area, learning condition, which means this woman can either manifest a total Disneyland of experience with men or, as far as relationships would be concerned, put herself into a total illusion as to what she thinks is real. In other words, if you knew a woman or was dating a woman with Mars opposed Neptune or Mars square Neptune, if she didn't have any support on her Mars, like hopefully she'll have a trine from somewhere to give her some balance. But you might think that the relationship is one way, and then her opinion of the relationship would be a total contrast to what you think. And because she does have this Neptunian aspect, she might not be the type of person to openly sit down and discuss her true feelings on this relationship because it's almost mystical what she thinks the relationship is. If you ever did sit down and get some true feelings out of her in the relationship, or you offered your true feelings, there could be an argument, because both people might become aware that whatever they feel to be true is totally different than to what the true reality really is. I hope that makes sense. See, Neptune is a very strange planet. I have Venus square Neptune, so 99 times out of 100, my Venus is like square a planet in Pisces. Once again, if you have Neptune square Venus or Mars, especially for relationships, with my Venus square Neptune, it's like having a afflicted Venus in Pisces, which means my opinion in relationships are where I think I am. And obviously, if I am going out with someone or involved with someone that has a heavy Virgo that needs to analyze the relationship, my afflicted Venus doesn't want to do that. That hurts. My afflicted Venus doesn't want to sit there and try to weed out all these complicated emotions that I'm involved in, see? So the Venus square Neptune person would just as soon float or try to flow with relationship as best as possible without trying to be too specific. So what you're dealing with here, if you look in your chart and you want to find it, for example, on your astroscope, then you'd look on your third page where it says planetary aspects. And if you see any lines there that say either square Neptune or opposition Neptune, then bingo, you qualify for this topic. You are a hard, afflicted Neptunian person, and you are the type of person that could be subject to major, massive delusions and illusions with specific segments of life. We're talking about hard aspects of the planet Neptune. What a lot of people are not aware of is that everybody has planets in their charts. More than just sun sign astrology, everybody has aspects in their chart as far as all the planets are concerned. Meaning that when we look at astrology here on KFOX, when we do my show, we are looking at far more than just the sun sign. What I'm trying to teach my listeners is that each and every planet in the natal chart has a significance, which means that if you were able to get yourself a chart and look at where your Mercury and your Venus and your Mars, which basically rule your mind, your values, and battery, your life force, your Jupiter, your Saturn, and your Uranus, which is basically philosophy, lessons in life, and awakening factors, and if you were able to look at that stuff in perspective, then you would be able to understand some of the finer qualities of your particular life cycle, this particular life cycle. So astrology is fun on this aspect because what we're able to do is we're literally able to reveal self and teach people about themselves and reveal certain situations about their karma and their life's missions 
and situations affecting them for this entire life cycle. I decided to talk about Neptune today. Maybe it's not the most exciting topic to you, but I do learn a lot about people when I know where they're coming from, especially analyzing their Neptunes. Let's take some examples here. Some of the hardest aspects you can have are aspects square or opposition the planet Neptune. Let's say your sun is square or opposed Neptune. Well, we're talking about the afflicted Pisces sun. In comparison, that's what it would be. Frankly, if you know someone or if you are someone with a sun square or opposed Neptune, then there's probably a tremendous amount of karma with you and your father or lack of a father or a proper identity figure, which can create an identity crisis. So when I meet someone with sun square or sun opposed Neptune, then I got to relate that something is missing between them and the father or something is vague, no foundation. Remember, when we talk about negative or afflicted aspects with a Neptunian factor or negative Pisces factor, we're always talking about missed cues, uh, missed foundations, miscommunications. You think things are one way. I think things are a totally another way. And a lot of times it does help us understand people by understanding this Neptunian thing. So sun square or sun opposed Neptune are people that may need a little patience when it comes to understanding them, basically, because they're soul searching all the time. They're trying to figure out where they're coming from. Frankly, people with sun square and sun opposed Neptune and a lot of people with hard Neptune aspects are more prone to drug and alcohol addiction because they get frightened. They get scared of all these miscues and miscommunications. They get into escapist behavior, whether it's depression or frustration or just anxiety, and they don't know what to do with it. They don't know how to run with it, so they end up addicts and alcoholics and such. That's a negative option. What you really should do if you have an afflicted son is meditate because that's the positive Piscean element that helps you overcome the hard Neptunian aspect. Then there's the moon square Neptune. Oh, please help us. <laughs> moon opposed Neptune and moon square Neptune where there's this miscue or something major lacking with the mother, right? And talk about space cadet. People with moon square Neptune or moon opposed Neptune or sun square Neptune or sun opposed Neptune might have been raised in an extremely volatile emotional environment where emotions were wild and explosive or they didn't exist at all. There's usually an extreme there or vice versa or some both of the above. So it just helps if you're dating someone, you go, gosh, she is weird emotionally. And what's her problem with her mother? You know, she has a moon opposed Neptune. That's what's going on. So she may spend her whole lifetime trying to figure her emotions out. How are you supposed to know who you love, what you love, or what's real in love when you have a moon square or a moon opposed Neptune? It's hard. It's tough. I got a moon square Pluto and I have enough trouble with that. That's a close second. And then Mercury, we're talking about people that usually either don't admit they need therapy or definitely should seek therapy when they have Mercury square or opposed Neptune because psychologically you are just talking about a one in a billion personality. Somebody that is so totally different that all during their high school, their college, their elementary school, their nursery school, and all of their upbringing, they don't understand anyone and no one understands them when they have this Neptunian aspect connected to Mercury, when Mercury is square or opposed Neptune. We move on to my favorite, right, Venus square Neptune, which is really not too stable a vehicle for relationships because we don't know what's going on. I have Venus square Neptune, and a lot of time when it comes to relationships, we're the one in a billion type person too that are like an alien from another dimension trying to figure out the components of love and the components of money (laughs) and the components of value and what is really important in relationships. I kind of see a person with Venus square Neptune as a person who lives in a cloud 
and has difficulty analyzing what the cloud is made of or what is outside of the cloud. So if you are going with or married to or falling in love with a person who has Venus square Neptune, expect the unexpected, expect extreme moods. And like I say, when it comes to love, sex, romance, and relationships, you are dealing with a person who has their head set in one set of values that are unique, and you and society's values would be totally a different color. And that's why many times it's difficult for people with Venus square and opposed Neptune or Mars square and opposed Neptune to hang on to or get involved with relationships unless they are very unorthodox, very arm's length, something that is undefined or far away from Virgo type, (laughs) where you understand where you fit, how you feel, what the other person's doing, what you're doing, where you're going, what the plans are. And I actually got married once with a Venus square Neptune. Now, the karma involved with Venus square Neptune or Mars square Neptune or Venus opposed Neptune or Mars opposed Neptune, and just to let you know what's going on here, heterosexual men and gay women are the ones that are concerned more with their Venus in relationships. And heterosexual women and gay men are the ones concerned with their Mars. Now, I'm talking about karma in relationships. And that would mean that if a person comes back in this lifetime with a hard aspect to Neptune from Venus or Mars, meaning a square or an opposition, sometimes an inconjunct in this topic, then you are basically dealing with a person that has a major debt with all people they would be involved with concerning love, sex, and romance. Major debt. Now, I'm not talking, unlike the person with Neptune trine Venus or Neptune trine Mars, that might get married early to their childhood sweetheart, very free-flowing and a smooth path and an understood direction. People with Venus and Mars square or opposed Neptune are people that have come back here to pay a major, we're talking huge debt. Like if I wanted to compare this to a financial debt in the bank, it would be millions of dollars. So if you are a person with Venus square or opposed Neptune or Mars square or opposed Neptune, and you've had a history of strange, alien, unidentifiable, experiences in relationships are totally lack of them, just void. It's either too much or too little or sometimes not knowing what's going on. Strange experiences that can involve triangles, quadrangles, quintangles, promiscuity, extreme celibacy, extreme problems concerning nailing your feelings, where you could love someone extremely a lot one day and hate them the next, wishy-washy type people people that might be married happily and then fall in love with someone they'd meet in a drugstore the next day. It's real hard to zero in. You could actually fall in love multiple times or have what you would say infatuations for people if you have Venus square or Venus opposed Neptune. Now, this topic is very important because when you get down to trying to understand people, if you don't understand their Neptunian factor, especially if it's a hard aspect, you're dead. Because then trying to figure out where they're coming from can be near impossible. And some of these people, right, born in the 50s and 60s, with the Saturn and Uranus square Neptune. And these people are really coming from a different angle because a lot of them are hanging out with each other. And talk about two boats passing in the night. (laughs) You don't know what the hell's going on with that stuff. Okay, now let's continue here. Let me finish this topic at least. Jupiter square Neptune or opposed Neptune is very difficult because Jupiter is a planet that expands. And when you have the planet that expands in stress to a planet of question, like Neptune, which is very hard to figure out. Neptune's identification is an interdimensional effect. So a lot of times hard aspects to Neptune obviously can bring about this overindulgence or this misindulgence and leave us vulnerable or tremendously escapist. And obviously, if we become too depressed or too escapist, our chakras become vulnerable. And heavy, hard Neptunian aspects, I would say, are a lot more susceptible 
to entity interference. Jupiter square Neptune or opposed Neptune, which can really be damaging to a person's life if they don't get a hold of that aspect. The Saturn square Neptune or opposed Neptune is heavy because now your karma and your life's lesson is connected with your own miscue, with what you sense to be true, what truly isn't. It's like a detective working on a case and creating a file which he thinks is perfectly right, and all of it is bull. So people with Saturn square or opposed Neptune a lot of times will go through their lives thinking things, are, once again, are real, are accepted, are logical, are truthful, then find out the people they're dealing with are total frauds, liars, extortionists, or whatever, and they themselves can come across like this. So these are the type of people that are Saturn square Neptune, like in 52 and 53 and 54. Those areas are people that many times are susceptible to being in partnerships where they're totally manipulated and taking advantage of people. Saturn square Neptune will take advantage of you and will manipulate you sometimes without you knowing it. <laughs> without them knowing it, sometimes they'll do it. So, you know, it's their karma sometimes to be users, and they don't know it. See, like, you got to remember that the Piscean element is a veil. The age of Pisces is an age where we have kind of been underwater, where the clarity of Aquarius is finally pulling up a lot of knowledge and wisdom and facts, situations that we need to know that are clearing up a lot of this Piscean dilemma that we've been on. The age of religion in the age of Pisces was there because mankind, humanity, needed something to believe in. Because there was a veil that was over the clarity that we are, in fact, God. It's like someone knocking you out and giving you amnesia, going, hey, buddy, you know you're God. But they use you and manipulate you, and they try to say, hey, here's what you believe in right here, outside of your body. This is God. You worship this energy outside, right? That's the Piscean age. You lift that veil, and somebody slaps you in the face and go, hey, guy, God's not outside of you. You're God. You don't need something to believe in but yourself. You're what's to, be- to believe in, see? That's why this Neptunian factor is so important. When you start getting into Uranus and Pluto square Neptune, first of all, I don't think we've had a Pluto square Neptune yet in this dimension, in this life cycle. I'll have to check my book, but thank God I don't think we've had too many people with that yet. But I do know that Uranus square Neptune is real, can be potentially violent. Uranus opposed Neptune, which is something that hasn't been around for quite a while, also can be very discomforting and unsettling when it comes to life's directions, life's goals, and friends who you depend on, where sometimes the Uranus square Neptune people also are in a fog concerning who their true friends are, if they are in fact a true friend of themselves, and at the same time, what's happening in their life, where are they going, what are they doing and such. Pluto has been running with Neptune together for over a hundred years, so they haven't been square each other and probably won't be for some time. So who knows what a Pluto square Neptune is? I have no idea. I don't. No one alive I know has that unless they're someone hundreds of thousands of years old. But but still, you know, I hope this has helped you somewhat, a little bit, try to figure out what is going on, at least with some of the people you know, now by understanding some of this Neptune factor that can be very foggy and very vague. And like I say, most people you meet will have a square in opposition on their Neptune, and they'll be in some kind of delusion or some kind of misreality, miscue, misdirection, and understanding what that means will help. Obviously, we need help from people with trines to their Neptunes, who have some psychic and intuitive ability that can help us become more realistic. Let's go to Diane on line two. Hi, Di. Hi, Peach. Hi, Peach. Boy, if you'd been my teacher in high school or even junior high, boy, the things that I could have learned. (laughs) Can you believe, seriously, going through high school and knowing things like Neptunian factor really resolve a heck of a lot of stuff, you know? It's like, this is a topic I really haven't done, though. 
So a lot of times I don't have as many people listening on Mondays. That's why I bring some of the best topics out then sometimes. Well, I love it, and I hope you continue with this. It's great. What year were you born? In 40. Oh, well, I wasn't even born yet. <laughs> I, I'd like to be in high school with you, but I wasn't even born yet. I know, darn it. <laughs> so what's your question? Uh, well, I didn't really have a question. I just wanted you to know that we're out there listening, and even though we don't call in you know, a lot of times, it's because we're too intent on listening to you. Isn't that funny? We only had one call for the first 15 minutes, and I only had three calls after the first 20 minutes. And I didn't get the rest of the board filled up till 23 after. Well, it's a lot harder for me to do a topic when the boards are open because I, even though there's people out there, one caller is supposed to represent a thousand. Mm-hmm. See, so if only I have one or two or three callers, I feel like I have nobody listening out there. So it affects the topic. So people should actually call during the topic, even just to say hi to me when I get to the phones because it builds my confidence. You know, Leos need a little pat in the back once in a while. Yes, they do. You might have noticed the topic picked up at 20 after because the board was full. Mm-hmm. So my energy picked up. I don't know. You just come through so clear that it's just great. I hope I made my point today. Oh, I you have. Did the you best. Know, I've learned so much about myself, even though a lot of the things that you were talking about didn't directly, they weren't for me, but it was because they weren't me that I learned about myself. Yeah, because, you know, if you meet somebody and then you look at their chart and you see, oh, you have a moon square Neptune, I remember what Farley said about that. This person may freak out and, you know, come across in a pretty strange slant once in a while, you know. It it, yes. it helps you respect the individual. Yes, it does. Okay. And well, I thank you very much for your topics. Thank you. <laughs> okay, we'll see you, Di. Okay. Bye, Peach. Bye. Let's go to Marlene, a long-time listener. Hi, Mar. Hi. I'm glad someone called today. I got nervous. Oh, well, sometimes I don't call because I just don't like to hang on the phone because I'm busy, but I listen to you a lot, and I want to commend you for your um, evolving in your maturity since you started the show. I've been listening for a lot of years, and I enjoy it more and more. Wow. How long have you been listening? Three years? Oh, since the fall that you started. Hmm. Wow. How's the doc doing? Oh, (laughs) how'd you know? (laughs) Marlene, I remember everybody. I know you do. Phenomenal. My question is, what is so unsettling about the summer solstice? You said that, uh, you know, this evening is going to be the summer solstice. And uh, the summer solstice is particularly unsettling, I find, and also the vernal equinox, the autumn equinox, and the winter solstice, but particularly the summer solstice. Does it affect a lot of people that way? Yeah, it's like whenever we have these four corners, you know, the vernal equinox, the autumnal equinox, the winter solstice, and the summer solstice, it's an end of karma, and it's an end of a cycle. Like a lot of us, whether we know it or not, are being asked to finish up certain chapters before the summer solstice hits. I don't know if you're aware of certain things you've done the past few weeks, but if you take a look at your life, a lot of people might be aware that there's been lots of housekeeping going on out there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I myself have gone through a total rebirth that happens when the sun goes through each quarter segment. It closes a lot of chapters and then creates a lot of new beginnings. And we don't like to say goodbye to certain parts of our lives and obsessions and selfish behavior we have. Mm -hmm. But before these spectacles occur, then we do have to say goodbye to people and to situations and events. This is a particular difficult solstice because the sun is opposition Saturn and Uranus. So those people having birthdays now and that have late uh, mutables and early cardinals in their chart are being set up by these T-squares and grand squares and grand crosses where there's even much more of an emphasis placed on their lives for beginnings and endings. Oh, It's like when I grew up, I never ever wanted my mom to throw away my baseball cards 
are my comic books. Had she kept them, I'd be a millionaire now, you know. <laughs> is that your cancer that doesn't work? Oh, yeah. You know, it's like I come back from camp one day and uh, a thousand baseball cards would be gone. And she says, you're too old for that now. Well, those thousand baseball cards are worth about two million right now, mm-hmm. especially all the Mickey Mantles I had. But I got older and I forgot about that, you know. But that's the type of thing that happens. Uh, chapters close and new chapters open uh, during the solstice. And, and that's why it seems so strange. And and now it's summer, and uh, this is what makes it summer more than anything, you know? Okay? Right. Say hi to Doc. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. Patty has a question. Hi, Patty. Hi, Farley. Thank you for calling. Thank you. God bless everyone that called today. I was so lonely. Well, Farley, it's just the hanging on the phone like the last lady, lady said. It's not that we're not listening. <laughs> I know. I just want to wait till I go to the phones before you call. I know. Okay, what's your question? My best friend since kindergarten has the same time of birth as I do. It's a different day. She's a different sign and different rising. Is there anything to that? When she told me she was born at 1029 in the morning, I said, what? <laughs> well, I personally feel that people's biorhythm cycles start at the time of birth, and that's why I think some people peak during their birth time. My personal opinion, I was born 1121 in the morning daylight time. I wake up 1021. <laughs> you know, sometimes I get I get my heart started and and into life more at that time. I do find, believe it or not, people get along better when they were born at similar times. Like a person born in the middle of the night might not relate as well to someone born in the morning. I think there's something to that. It's not quite a developed science yet, but something I've been looking into. Okay? Uh, Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, let's go over here to line number six. Wendy. Hi. Wendy, Um, I'm home. Here's Johnny. (laughs) You've heard that before, right? During the cataway, she almost stepped on the receiver. I was almost going to get cut off. <laughs> I've, since I was about 14, I was always studying astrology, and I memorized the way the symbols looked for the planets and everything. But I'm still, I've always been pretty much in a fog about... How old are you? All the details. 27. Oh, so you've been doing this for 13 years. Yeah. Okay. Almost as much as I have. I feel like I'm really intuitive about it, but there's still, I have, I just can't, I don't understand a lot of the basics, but huh. like retrograde... Or, um, I was wondering if, like, there was a Neptune aspect that would be, um, like, making it where I'd be in a fog about astrology. Or something. Well, how's your Neptune? What's, how's it aspected? It's in Scorpio. Yeah. And I think it's, oh, it's opposed my moon in Taurus. Aha. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. it. <laughs> that would be it. Are either one of those in the third house? What's your rising? Scorpio. It's in the first house. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first house Neptune. Oppose the moon can be sometimes hard for you to focus on almost anything sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it might take a little bit harder study and research. A lot of times, if you have any planets in the third house or Gemini planets or an afflicted Mercury. Yeah, I have Pluto and my North Node. In the third house? Uh-huh. If they're afflicted and if your Mercury is afflicted, then it might be harder for you to have retention. Are you also void of Aquarius planets or air planets? Do you lack Gemini? Venus and Aquarius. Okay, that's good. That's good. That helps you then. Yeah, I think um, I can take care of a lot of details, and so I I get into the details of astrology, but it seems like the big picture of of like where to start on the chart to look for oppositions or squares. I like to go house by house and pick apart everything I can find in that house with the Lord, with the aspects, as much as possible until I'm totally done with that house. Then go on to the next. If you try to just start anywhere, I like to start in number one, house number one at the rising sign. All right. But, uh, you know, you might need some tutoring. You know, you might need maybe a, have you ever taken classes? Um, no. Uh-uh. 
gone to the library and looked up Bamford. What yeah. is it, Bamford? Yeah, I, I took a lot of classes, and I do find that taking classes will help put things in perspective. All right. Are calling me sometimes with specific questions, like what's so tough about the retrograde? Oh, I, that's the question I had was, um, I see three things in my chart that have retrograde, and I didn't know what that meant. Uh-huh. Is that a bad aspect, or is that just the planets moving? No, it's it's just when a person's born with a retrograde planet, some of the planetary vibration is inhibited. It's not really coming on at full force. Uh, Direct motion planets are a lot more powerful and create people that are a lot more powerful and sometimes outgoing. Uh, people with Mercury retrograde or Venus retrograde or Mars retrograde, they don't have as much influence sometimes on those planets. Yeah. Okay? All right. Thank you. All right. Bye. Let's go to Zox on line seven. Hello? Hello. How are you? I feel good. All right. What can we do for you? Well, listen, you said something on the air the other day that really kind of uh, went into my head like a little diamond and then just sort of exploded. And I just thought of all the possibilities of it. And that was that when you said writers write stories and scripts and things, they think of an astrological sign that they assign to their character to keep the character kind of in sync through the whole thing. I said that? You did. Okay. I don't remember. Go ahead. Okay. Well, it was one of those little gems that spilled out, I guess. Okay. And I was just wondering, um, in reference to all that, what about cartoon characters? Like, uh, what signs do you think they are? Like somebody like Donald Duck or Daffy Duck? Or... <laughs> well, it depends on their daytime and city of birth, Zox, like anything else. Well, I mean, it... if you're just creating these characters, yeah. do they have an actual time? I mean, is it sure. the time you think them up or the time you actually, like, touch the pencil to the thing? Or no, I, I would think... Some rough sketches? The moment you visualize a character for either cartoon or movies or book, that moment would assign a chart to the individual character. The exact moment of birth, you know, uh, as soon as it becomes alive in your mind, it's alive. It has different charts and different effects. It has a chart of its entire life when you think of it. It has a chart of how it would be produced on paper if you draw it. Then it would have a chart for career in case it was ever produced, the date of production. Well, somebody like Bugs Bunny has such an incredible, <laughs> distinct personality, you know? It just seems like they'd be a certain sign no matter what time you drew them or thought of them. Yeah. If you could find out those dates, call me up. We'll look at their charts, okay? Could you just kind of guess from, like, their character? I mean, Bugs Bunny's so cool, you know? I don't know. Bugs Bunny acts pretty much like a Capricorn to me. He <laughs> plays lots of games, you know? Uh -huh. He likes to trick people sometimes. Yeah, definitely in the game. And you don't want to treat him too bad for too long or he'll get you. Maybe Bugs is a Scorpio, actually. <laughs> I've seen him smash a lot of people, you know? I got to go, guy. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, well, <laughs> that's my sun-opposed Saturn-Uranus edition of Astrological Metaphysical Radio. And I would like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. Thanks for listening. See you real soon weekdays on the Fox at 12 noon. Have a nice day. Bye, everybody.